Section 78 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Gerges. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3 by George W. M. Reynolds. Three Months After Marriage sir christopher blunt was pacing his drawing-room in a very agitated manner and the expression of his countenance was so ludicrous in its reflections of the thoughts that were stirring within his breast that it was impossible to say whether he was influenced by commingled hope and suspense on the one hand or by fear and shame on the other it was pretty evident that he had not been out all day for he was unshaven and he wore the light blue dressing-gown the bright red trousers and the scarlet silk cap which his dear wife had devised as a most becoming morning costume but which gave him the appearance of a mussulman quack doctor as the golden lustre of the handsome lamp brought forth all the flaunting effects of the garb advancing towards the timepiece sir christopher compared his watch with that dial a quarter to nine he murmured to himself as he restored the huge gold repeater to its fob and the doctors have been an hour with her already well i never heard of such a thing before three months after marriage it's impossible quite impossible dr wagtail is a very clever man no doubt but he's wrong for once in his life if it was six or seven months now one might suppose it a premature birth but three months and the worthy knight paced the apartment in a manner which showed that he didn't know what the deuce to make of it well he continued again speaking in a murmuring tone after a short pause it may be so after all for really science does discover such wonderful things nowadays and the world seems to undergo so many strange changes that upon my word i should not be surprised at all if on going out some morning i was to see the people walking on their heads along jermyn street ah things weren't like this when i was a boy but then i must recollect that i live in a fashionable quarter of the town now and ladies at the west end ain't like those vulgar citizens as wives thank god that i didn't get in for portsoken it was quite enough to have filled the high and responsible office of sheriff and to have received the distinguished honour of knighthood but three months exclaimed sir christopher interrupting himself and flying back with ludicrous abruptness to the idea that was uppermost in his mind three months and after all who knows but that it's the fashion of the west end and i'm sure that if it is i shall be very glad that it has happened so and yet the most extraordinary part of the business is that when i suspected something of the kind and just hinted at it to lady blunt she she scratched my face to pieces for me very extraordinary indeed sir christopher now became lost in a maze of conjecture vague suspicion and bewilderment through which he certainly could not find his way and heaven only knows how long he might have remained in the labyrinth had not dr wagtail appeared to his rescue well doctor exclaimed the knight hastening to meet the physician my dear christopher i congratulate you said dr wagtail considering it decent and becoming to assure a joyous and smirking expression of countenance for the occasion while he wrung the knight's hand with most affectionate warmth for it is my duty 
he continued now suddenly adopting the pompous and important style of the fashionable physician to a rich family for it is my duty sir christopher to announce to you that you are the happy father of a charming boy with whom her ladyship has been kind enough to present you a boy a eh, doctor faltered the knight but of course it isn't i mean it can't be a a full-grown child well my dear sir christopher responded dr wagtail who perfectly understood where the shoe pinched from what mr snipekin the talented and much sought after accoucher whom i deemed it prudent to call in just now from what mr snipekin says sir christopher i do believe that the dear little creature has come a little before his time but pray don't make yourself uneasy on that account my dear sir christopher for the sweet baby is in no danger and an uncommonly fine child to be sure then it is a little before its time doctor eh said sir christopher but doctor you and me are old friends and you can speak candidly you know and the truth is you must remember that that our marriage o only took place three months ago and it seems to me rather unusual not that i suspect your lady blunt virtue for a moment on the contrary i know her to be a perfect paragon of morality at the same time three months doctor and a fine boy my dear sir christopher responded dr wagtail foreseeing that the amount of his fee would depend vastly upon the state of mind in which the knight might be when he should give it and acting moreover upon his favourite principle of humouring the whims and wishes of all persons with whom he had any professional connection my dear sir christopher he said looking very solemn indeed your avocations in the world have not allowed you time to dive into the mysteries of science and investigate the arcana of learning much less to pursue with sesquipedalian regularity the routine of that course of study which in the abstract and also considered in a purely professional point of view and having due regard to the wonders of physiological science in fact ahem you understand me sir christopher e e yes doctor dealt forth the bewildered knight but i think you were going to satisfy me you know about the three months and a fine boy doctor i was coming to that point my dear sir christopher said dr wagtail in fact i was about to observe that physiology properly considered in its etymological signification comprehends the entire science of nature but i must impress upon your mind sir christopher that the ratiocinative properties of modern physicians have induced them doubtless after much profound cognition to restrict the term that department of physical knowledge relating referring and belonging exclusively to organic existence and thus sir christopher ahem you follow me oh quite easy indeed returned the knight wondering in his own mind whether it were dog latin that stunned his ears and also how one individual could possibly pick up and retain such an immense amount of knowledge but the point was doctor precisely my dear christopher exclaimed the physician looking as wise as all the seven sages of greece put together it was to that very point which i was coming but i thought that a detailed and full explanation would prove most satisfactory to you oh decidedly doctor and i'm sure very much obliged to you for taking the trouble to uh to well then my dear christopher 
interrupted the fashionable physician all my premises being granted and the arguments which i have adducted being fully admitted i think that the demonstration is easy enough consequently sir christopher it is quite apparent that a child may be born three months after marriage at the same time i think i can assure you that in future your excellent and amiable lady will not be quite so premature in her accouchements it is not unusual then doctor among your female patients said sir christopher who is not entirely satisfied yet it is by no means unusual that a first child should be born a few months after marriage my dear sir christopher answered the physician and perhaps uh, perhaps it's rather fashionable than otherwise asked the knight in a hesitating manner well i don't know what it is sir christopher replied dr wagtail taking a pinch of snuff and now that your mind is completely set on rest on this point as indeed it must and ought to be after the full and professional explanation which i have given you i will return to the chamber of your amiable and excellent lady and see whether you can be permitted to visit her for a few moments do my dear doctor and doctor cried the knight as a sudden idea struck him pray don't i mean it's not necessary to let lady blunt know that that in a word that i asked you any questions oh certainly not my dear christopher exclaimed the physician and he then quitted the room well thought the knight to himself as soon as he was again alone and so i am the father the happy father and he made a slight grimace of a fine boy a fine boy eh upon my honour i am very glad very glad indeed a son and heir a little christopher how very kind of my dear wife it is a tie which will bind us together perhaps soften her temper a little and make her more sparing in the use of her fingernails well if it's only for that the coming of this child will be a great blessing a very great blessing but i really do wish the dear babe had made its appearance about six months later not that it matters much seeing that i must be its father and that the thing is rather fashionable than otherwise besides dr wagtail is such a clever man such a very clever man and his explanation was so completely satisfactory so very lucid and clear a fool might understand it well i really ought to be a very happy fellow but all the knight's attempts at self-persuasion and self-consolation were futile there was a weight upon his spirits that he could not throw off and in the depths of his secret soul there was an awful misgiving to the existence of which he vainly endeavoured to blind his mental vision he strove to be gay he tried to establish the conviction that he was perfectly happy and contented he did all that he could to make himself admit to himself that the doctor's reasoning was conclusive still he could not shut down from his heart the ever-recurring thought that the physician's argument might be very conclusive indeed but that he was totally unable to understand a word of it then came the fear of ridicule and this was the most galling sentiment of all but on the other hand there was an apprehension which was not without its weight namely the anger of his wife in case she should discover that he had dared to doubt her virtue thus by the time the doctor came back the silly old gentleman had determined to take matters just as he found them and though half suspecting that there was something wrong in the business he resolved to maintain as contented an air as possible as the only means of combating ridicule should he experience it or of quieting his wife should she hear of anything to excite her irritability we are getting on so well my dear sir christopher 
said the physician, that we can see you for a few minutes, but we cannot bear any loud speaking as yet, and we establish it as a condition that you do not make an attempt to kiss our child more than once, for fear you should set it crying and make our headache. Sir Christopher attempted a pleasant smile, and followed Dr. Wagtail to the chamber of the indisposed lady. The moment the door was opened, the shrill but nevertheless apparently half-stifled cry of a newborn child saluted the knight's ears, and hastening up to the bed, he bent over and kissed his wife. "'See what heaven has sent us, Sir Christopher,' said the lady in a low and weak voice, well suited to the solemnity of her observation, and slightly uncovering the bedclothes, she exhibited a tiny object looking amazingly red, but which she assured him was the sweetest little face in the world. "'That it is, the pretty creature,' observed a hoarse voice, which appeared to emanate from the chimney, but which in reality came no further off than the fireplace and belonged to an elderly woman of tremendous copulency, who was arranging some baby linen on a clothes horse. "'I've nussed a many ladies,' continued the stout proprietress of the hoarse voice, "'but never such a patient dear as yourn, Sir Christopher, "'and I never see such an angel at its birth as that baby. "'Why?' continued the woman advancing towards the knight and giving him a good long stare while potent odors of gin assailed his nostrils all the while i do declare that the baby is as like his father as he can be sir christopher grinned horribly a ghastly smile and slipped half a guinea into the nurse's hand at which proof of his generosity she dropped him a curtsey that shook the house so profoundly as nearly to drop her through the floor "'Yes, the baby is uh, like you, sir, as two peas is like each other,' continued the nurse, while Dr. Wagtail and the accoucher exchanged rapid but intelligent glances at the excellence of the idea, and Sir Christopher grunted like a leaned pig which has just put its snout upon the right card in a show. "'I'm sure, sir, you ought to be very much obliged to Mrs. for presenting you with such a cherub.' poor dear she had a sad time of it but she bore it like a saint as she is won't you let master have just one kiss at the little dear my lady the saint was just at that moment wondering whether the child as it grew up would bear any resemblance to a certain tall footman in a certain family at the west end but why such an idea should enter her head we must leave to the readers to divine the nurse repeated her question adding do let the little dear's pa just kiss it once and then we must turn him out you know ma'am for the present yes sir christopher you may kiss the little cherub if you like said lady blunt in a tone which was meant to impress on her husband's mind a full sense of the favour conferred upon him but pray don't make the little child squeal out for you're so rough the knight accordingly touched the babe with his lips, which he smacked to make believe that the kiss was a hearty one in spite of his wife's injunction, and this ceremony being completed, he was turned out of the room by the nurse, whose power on such occasions amounts, as all fathers know, to an absolute despotism. The nurse is a species exhibiting but little variety. Stout and in good spirits she must always be, and bottled stout and ardent spirit she highly esteems. She, moreover, has an excellent appetite and is fond of making meals in the course of the day. She awakes at five or six in the morning and makes herself strong hot coffee and a couple of rounds of toast, putting a great deal of sugar to the former and a vast quantity of butter to the latter. 
at nine she is ready for her breakfast the first meal not being so denominated and in fact considered as nothing at all if her mistress be awake the nurse will amuse her with innumerable stories relative to her former places and she will not fail to make herself out the very best nurse in the world she will describe how one lady was inconsolable because she could not have her at the desired time how another lady would eat nothing unless prepared by the said nurse's own hands how a third would have died if it had not been for her care and attention and how she never slept a wink nor put her clothes off once for a whole month while in attendance upon another lady then she is sure to be well connected and to have seen better days and if asked for her address she is certain to reply lord bless you my dear all you have to do is send and inquire for me in such and such a street and anybody will tell you where i live in fact she is as well known in her quarter of the town as the queen is at pimilico but to continue the category of meals at eleven o'clock she is quite prepared for a mutton chop and half a pint of stout and she forces a basin of gruel down her mistress's throat accompanied with many a poor dear i'm sure you mustn't want it at two o'clock she has a good appetite for her dinner and then she manages to get on pretty comfortably till tea-time the nurse is very fond of her tea and likes it strong after tea as her mistress most likely sleeps she gets hold of an odd volume of a romance or a newspaper not more than a week old and it is ten to one that she believes every word she reads in both if her mistress happens to be awake the nurse will comment upon what she reads the newspaper especially is sure to set her talking on the hardness of the times and arouse all her reminiscences of when she was a gal she will often express her mysterious wonder at what the world is coming to and invariably speaks as if everything has undergone a great deal of change for the worst she is sure to know a poor family whom she is mainly instrumental in saving from starvation and she is equally certain to descant upon the necessity of sobriety and frugality among the working classes then she remembers that it is time for missus to take her medicine but she goes to the shelf or the cupboard she stays a little longer there than is quite necessary to pour out the medicine aforesaid and as she approaches the bed to administer the same she wipes her mouth with the back of her hand and her eyes are observed to water the invalid lady may now think her stars if she be not assailed with an odour of ardent spirit while she receives her medicine from the hand of the nurse while the time passes away somehow or another until the supper hour and it is a remarkable fact that the nurse never seems wearied of the monotony of her avocation but then in the evening she manages to get half an hour's chat with the servants down the stairs and the chat is rendered the more pleasant by a little drop of something short out of a black bottle which the cook mysteriously produces from the cupboard on these occasions the nurse exhibits all her importance she assures the listening domestics that it was very fortunate she happened to be sent for to attend upon mrs as if any other nurse had been called in the results would have been most unpleasantly different she then expresses her opinion of the medical attendant and her estimation of this gentleman is invariably regulated by the amount of his liberality towards her if he gave her the odd shillings which accompanied the sovereigns of the little piece of paper containing the fee then he is sure to be a very clever man indeed but if he forgot this important duty then in the nurse's estimation he is certain to be a most unfit doctor to call in and it was quite a wonder that he didn't kill poor dear old missus 
having thus delivered her opinion which is received as gospel by the servants she hastens up the stairs again and relates to her mistress her own version of the conversation which has taken place down below after supper she no longer partakes of ardent spirit on the sly and unblushingly brews herself a potent glass but then she is sure to have an excuse such a dreadful pain in the stomach or a bad cold and her mistress whose peace of mind depends on keeping her attendant in a good humour says in a mild languid voice do make yourself comfortable nurse and the nurse obeys the hint to the very letter the liquor induces her to descend upon spirits in general and she is sure to inform her mistress that the duke of wellington doesn't sell near such good things as the duck and drake but that the beautifulest gin is in the public round the corner sometimes and this is one of the worst features in her character the nurse will take it into her head to relate gloomy stories to her mistress and once she gets on this subject the devil himself could not stop her she tells how she knew a lady who went on very well for ten days and then popped off all of a sudden or else she was once in a house which caught on fire in the middle of the night and the poor lady and child were burnt to death if the husband should happen to be out late the nurse when she is in this gloomy vein talks mysteriously of the danger of the streets and says how she knew a gentleman who was run over by an omnibus during the fog but in justice to the nurse we must observe that these horrible subjects are not very frequently touched on by her and only when she gets somewhat maudlin with too much ardent spirit or bottled stout for the first week she is in her place no one comes to see her but in the course of the second she is visited by her married daughter and her married daughter's eldest girl during the third week the nurse is constantly wanted by people who come to see her or inquire for her and at the beginning of the fourth the front doorbell is rung frantically and the nurse hears with a countenance so innocent that it is almost impossible to think she has prearranged the whole matter that mrs so-and-so whom she has pledged herself to attend upon is just taken in labour and she the nurse must go to her directly her mistress is by this time well enough to do without her and the nurse receives her full month's wages for three weeks attendance but let us return to sir christopher blunt whom we left at that pleasant point when having undergone the ceremony of embracing the babe which according to his lady's account heaven has sent him he wended his way back to the drawing-room at that precise moment sir christopher would have given just one half of his fortune to be enabled to undo all that he had done three months previously he had married in haste and he now repented at leisure but it has gone too late to retract and he found to his infinite mortification that he must grin and bear it the accoucheur shortly entered the room to report that all was going on as well as could be expected and having received his fee he took his departure soon afterwards the pompous and self-sufficient dr wagtail made his appearance and received his fee which out of sheer ostentation the knight rendered as liberal as the physician had anticipated these little matters being disposed of sir christopher rang the bell ordered up a bottle of claret and was about to console himself with the solitary enjoyment of the same when an astounding double knock and tremendous ring at the front door startled him so fearfully that he spilt the wine over his red trousers and nearly upset the table on which his elbow was leaning who can this be he exclaimed aloud captain o'blunderbuss cried the footman throwing open the door as wide as possible to avoid ingress to the swaggering officer 
End of the Three Months' Marriage End of Section 78